0: Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual harassment and sexual abuse, some involving minors, that some people may find disturbing. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: For years, the rural town of Wakanda in Washington state was exactly what it seemed like, a small community populated mostly by farmers and ranchers. By and large, the residents of the former mining town kept to themselves. But sometime in the early 90s, things changed.
0: Around that time, a man named James King moved in. He wasn't from the area and didn't quite fit in. In his fashionable REI gear and sandals, he seemed determined to stand out.
1: But no one said much about him at first. Even when strangers started coming and going from King's house at all hours and staying for a week at a time. While to the untrained eye, they may have simply looked like house guests, they weren't.
0: Unbeknownst to his neighbors, King was initiating these men and women into his new religious organization. He called it the New Gnostic Church.
1: As time wore on, King took advantage of those who put their faith in him. While he promised that they could all live like gods, in the end, his only goal was to look out for himself. And he didn't care who was laid to waste in the process. Hi, I'm Greg Polson.
0: And I'm Vanessa Richardson.
1: And this is Cults, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
0: This week we'll learn about a little-known group called the New Gnostic Church. The organization was based in the state of Washington and led by James King from the early 1990s until 2005. Today, we'll delve into how King built the church, exploited its members, and met his accomplice, Barbara Loran.
1: Next week, we'll discuss the downfall of his church and the legal trouble that followed for King and Loran. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: There are few things more important than physical and mental health. Many of us search for ways to improve our quality of life. Some will do just about anything to feel healthy.
1: And there are also plenty of people willing to capitalize on these universal needs. All over the world, imposters masquerade as wellness authorities to influence others for their own gain. James King went one step further and created a full-blown religious group to spread his toxic message. Mm-hmm.
0: Born around 1958, King came of age in the 60s and 70s during a time of social upheaval and spiritual awakening.
1: At some point before he moved to Washington state, he reportedly lived in the Bay Area of Northern California. While we don't know when exactly that was, the San Francisco region was shaped by the civil rights movement, anti-war protests and social demonstrations for black power and gay rights. He was also a center of new age spirituality. All of these forces may have had an impact on King.
0: Beyond this cultural context, however, not much is publicly known about King's upbringing or home life. Perhaps he wanted it that way.
1: He didn't embark on his next venture in the crowded Bay Area. Instead, in the late 80s, when he was in his early 20s, he moved to Washington State.
0: Once there, he hit the ground running. He donned fashionable REI clothes and sandals to give the impression of a modern guru. Then he took his show on the road. He started talking to people in Seattle and other nearby areas about his unique beliefs, his philosophy focused on self-improvement.
1: King claimed that people needed to analyze their past traumas and personal issues to release themselves from burden. Do that, and he claimed spiritual enlightenment was right around the
0: corner. King was confident enough in his ideology that he devoted most of his time to spreading his teachings rather than refining them. During these early years, it's unknown whether he had some other job on the side or how he made ends meet. He may have simply wandered around Seattle and Spokane talking with everyone he could, attempting to convert them one by one.
1: He told anyone interested in listening that they could free themselves from the fears and anxieties that bogged down their mortal lives. Issues like drug addiction, sexual desire, and even insecurity could all be overcome.
0: King singled out his recruits and told them they were special. He claimed he could see they had an inner God within them. They had the power to seize the day, or even just the moment, and use it as a gateway to reach their full potential.
1: He called this practice God-life. To be godly, he told people they needed to release themselves from earthly struggles with things like depression, interpersonal relationships, sex, and more. He promised his potential recruits that he could teach them the god life if they joined his newly founded religion.
0: He dubbed it the New Gnostic Church. As far as we know, there are no texts available from King's Church to explain how closely it related to traditional Gnosticism, but the religious movement of Gnosticism has a long history. Originally begun
1: in the second century, Gnosticism faced outside criticism from its inception. Mainstream Christianity at the time considered the teaching heretical.
0: Gnostics believed in secret mystical knowledge, called Gnosis, sent directly from God. While Christianity generally promised that anyone could receive God's blessing, Gnosticism suggested that only a special few could truly accept his gifts. The chosen were all people in touch with divine wisdom. Gnostics
1: also taught that the world had two realms, the material and the spiritual. They saw the material world, the one humans presently live in, as evil and inferior.
0: And unlike the Christian concept of heaven, a place reached by all holy people after death, the Gnostic spiritual world where God resided could be accessed by humans from inside the material plane. One only needed to work to connect to it.
1: Though it's unclear how much King modeled his religion after traditional Gnosticism, he did seem influenced by this principle of duality. Early on, he identified his converts as special. They had the insight to pierce the material world, while other people were trapped there by their carnal desires.
0: By calling his group the New Gnostic Church, King implied that outsiders could never reach enlightenment in the spiritual realm. Only the hand-picked members of his church would be allowed to enter. But what exactly made his followers so special was difficult to say. It's possible King told his devotees what he thought they wanted to hear to make them feel unique and important.
1: If that's true, the angle seemed to work pretty well. Because by the early 90s, King started to gain a devoted following. He held meetings twice a month in Seattle and Spokane for the roughly 20 members of his new church.
0: By this point in King's life, he was married to a woman named Terry. It's unknown when exactly they wed or if she firmly believed in the new Gnostic church. However, she likely supported King's endeavors, especially since his members provided for them financially.
1: Donations from his new acolytes ranged anywhere from 500 to $2,000 per person. The money added up fast. It supported King's life at his ranch with Terry in the small community of Wakanda.
0: Sitting about three hours northwest of Spokane, the tiny former mining town held just around 100 families, many of whom were farmers and ranchers.
1: The quiet environment was perfect for King. From there, he started recording his beliefs and teachings down in a short book he titled The Flight Manual. In total, the text consisted of 78 pages and included descriptions of key spiritual principles that King referred to as aphorisms.
0: These aphorisms appeared to echo general sentiments that he'd picked up from other spiritual groups, but paraphrased with his own terminology thrown in. The ultimate goal of life, he claimed, was spiritual release from the material weight of existence. Humans could become like gods.
1: King called his method of achieving this god life as the deal. He defined it as absolute elimination of all opposition to the goal from moment to moment through constant and eternal vigilance. In brief, an eternal willingness to pay any price as the price of freedom for all mankind for all eternity, with a transcendence beyond the need to pay any price at all.
0: King filled his book with many other dense statements like that one. And once he completed his flight manual, he started inviting new members to stay with him in Wakanda for a week as part of their initiation process. He gave them all his book and dutifully taught them the foundational precepts of New Gnosticism. During the initiations, King also put new members through an intense 12-hour marathon session of something akin to one-on-one psychotherapy.
1: The entire lure of King's church was the idea that he could help people get rid of their mental and spiritual failings. When he brought members in for their one-on-one sessions, he called it processing.
0: In these meetings, he asked members to disclose all the bad things they'd ever done and the traumas they'd faced. He had them state each of their regrets and failures one by one. Supposedly, the process was meant to purge initiates of their past and make them feel spiritually cleansed by the end.
1: The practice demanded a high level of trust in the person being, quote, processed, as followers were subject to repetitive interrogations that may have led to distress. The experience also placed his recruits in a very vulnerable position, possibly making them more dependent on the organization.
0: One new initiate in the New Gnostic Church described his experience of being processed to a Seattle reporter. He said that after hours of questioning about everything he'd done wrong in his life, King asked the man if he'd ever stolen anything. The member said, I put my head in my hands and started crying. When I looked up, it was many hours later and it was dark outside.
1: Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show.
0: Thanks, Greg. This loss of time the member describes might demonstrate that they were experiencing hypnosis or a similar technique. For decades, researchers have understood that certain experiences will temporarily change a person's perception of time, These include life-threatening situations, extreme fatigue, boredom, and altered states of consciousness brought on by drugs, meditation, or hypnosis. The intensely emotional and exhausting processing sessions at the New Gnostic Church could explain this member's experience of day turning into night. This also proves the powerful effects that processing had on a follower's mental state.
1: The experience was no doubt frightening to some, but once the grueling week-long initiation was done, new members might have felt like they were on the verge of a breakthrough.
0: Members took to comparing King to a therapist, capable of pinpointing their major issues in life and helping them move past them.
1: If people were struggling with their jobs, leaving a relationship, or battling addiction, King claimed to be someone who could solve their problems. And the best way, according to him, was through processing.
0: Members who found success likely introduced their spouses, friends, and even children to the church, with the promise that they too could be free of their worries. Conveniently for King, these new members also proved willing to trust him.
1: Coming up, King grows his church and targets patients at a chiropractic office.
2: The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility, and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify.
1: Now, back to the story.
0: By the early 1990s, James King's New Gnostic Church had a following of approximately 40 people. He held regular meetings with about 25 members in Seattle and 10 to 15 in Spokane.
1: At these gatherings, King urged his members to let go of their earthly worries to achieve a more detached and spiritually powerful existence.
0: And he made it clear that he was the only one who could help them get there.
1: King, then in his mid-30s, excelled at attracting people from all sorts of different backgrounds to his church. During the early to mid-90s, the Seattle area was a melting pot of cultures. There was an established grunge music scene, but soon-to-be tech giants like Microsoft and Amazon also made the region home.
0: The city saw rapid change. According to journalist Philip Dotty, King's followers included starving artists, strippers, small business owners, and Microsoft employees.
1: One of these spiritual seekers was Barbara Loran. Then, in her early 30s, Loran joined the New Gnostic Church in 1993 after a coworker told her about it.
0: Loran worked as a licensed chiropractor. She was married to a man named Dean, and the couple had a young child together. Based on the information available, it seemed that their life was pretty average on the outside.
1: But everything changed once they started connecting with the new Gnostic church. While Loran jumped headfirst into King's teachings, Dean didn't show much interest. For whatever reason, King's message didn't resonate with him.
0: So when it came time for Loran to drive to Wakanda for her initiation week, she went alone.
1: We don't know if Dean worried much about his wife's week-long trip, but when she came back, things were different. Dean later told the Seattle Times that Loran arrived home a changed person.
0: For one, she started eating meat. Dean also noticed she was drinking.
1: Alarmed at these sudden changes, he confronted Loran. Her reaction to his questions concerned him. She acted as if he was a total stranger. She was no longer willing to confide in him at all.
0: Keeping her expression inscrutable, Loran simply told Dean to ask King.
1: Dean realized his initial lack of interest in the church might have had a bigger impact than he first believed.
0: When he reached out to King on the phone to get more information about his wife, King allegedly responded with an icy tone, saying, If you're calling to save your marriage, forget it.
1: Taken aback by such a bold statement, Dean wondered what King must have said to Loran during that week away to make her have such a sudden change of heart. He started questioning whether his marriage might be in jeopardy.
0: He didn't have to wait long for an answer. Shortly after that worrying call, Loran moved out of their house. It effectively ended their relationship.
1: Dean couldn't believe that their eight-year marriage had turned to dust almost overnight.
0: Loran didn't take such drastic action simply because King's gospel moved her. She developed romantic feelings for him.
1: Her interest, as it turned out, wasn't unusual. By then, King was accustomed to pressuring new female initiates into sleeping with him. Many times, he made his move during their processing sessions on their initiation weeks.
0: In those meetings, according to one account given to the Seattle Weekly, he often informed women that one of their main constraints in life was unresolved sexual feelings. He claimed that all they needed to do was eliminate those feelings to live a spiritually full life. He promised he could help resolve the issues by sleeping with them, since he supposedly didn't have any sexual hang-ups himself.
1: One new initiate named Tanya Lucero described her encounter with King to the Seattle Weekly. When she joined the church in 1996, she was about in her early 20s. At her processing session in Wakanda, King accused her of sending him sexual energy. Lucero felt confused by this because she didn't find King attractive at all
0: but King repeated the assertion that Lucero secretly wanted to have sex with him. She said, then he told me that the way to get clear of my issues was to have sex with him, since he had no issues with sex.
1: He convinced her to sleep with him then and a few times after. Journalist Philip Doughty wrote, one of King's teachings was that humans are not their bodies. If you assume that the way your body experienced the world was reality, you had issues that would block you from reaching God life. And the worst thing in King's universe was to have issues. His followers didn't want to argue with that.
0: King dangled the solution to all of life's problems in front of his followers. All they needed to do was to go through him first. This appeared to be a textbook case of a personality cult, centered on King's charismatic presence. According to cult expert Stephen Hassan, such groups have members confess their thoughts and feelings to the leader as one technique of control. King's week-long initiations put him in a position of power. Though he claimed the experiences benefited these new church members, in reality, he held all of the cards. Though, to our knowledge, he didn't explicitly threaten his female targets, he pressured them into sexual situations.
1: A lot of these sexual encounters with his members ended after the first initiation. But in Barbara Laurent's case, they were just the beginning of a long-term relationship.
0: And while King was still married to Terry, it didn't seem to hamper his affair with Loran.
1: We don't know what Terry knew or thought about all of this. However, we do know that Loran enjoyed being seen as one of King's favorite followers in the church.
0: As his trust in her grew, Loran became more than just a rank and file member. Over time, her authority expanded until she had control over a growing number of church members.
1: As the owner of a chiropractic office called Endless Health Northwest in Bellevue, Laurent seemed to think her expertise could help King's cause. She started offering her services, including adjustments and massages.
0: Fancying herself more than just a chiropractor, though, she also offered therapy and unprompted advice on other ailments.
1: She liked asking invasive questions to her new patients, regarding things like their diets and sexual histories. As her relationship with King strengthened, she started sharing this confidential patient information with him.
0: While her motives are unclear, given her actions and devotion to King, it's possible she wanted to help him identify new potential members.
1: Not long afterward, Loran directly involved King at her practice. Based on what was reported by former patients, it seems that the couple became sort of a tag team as she occasionally let him sit in on appointments with her patients.
0: When someone came in looking to improve their health, Loran tailored her treatment and advice by asking them probing questions about their lifestyles. If the patient seemed open to it, she brought up King and the miraculous work he did helping others.
1: Then, if the patient agreed to meet with King, he would try and convince them to join the church. He'd invite them for the customary one-week retreat in Wakanda promising the experience would offer more healing than a mere doctor's appointment.
0: Likely in part because of these tactics, membership increased over the next few years. For King's twice monthly meetings in Seattle, he regularly had 25 acolytes in attendance. His meetings in Spokane had about a dozen more regulars. By some accounts at the group's peak, nearly 100 people were part of the new Gnostic church.
1: With Laurent's help, King built a fairly solid community. As his following expanded, his bond with Loran grew even stronger. Throughout it all, she seemed determined to cultivate God life with her every action. Using King's practices, she believed she and every other member could shed their worldly troubles and desires. Then they would be that much closer to fulfilling their spiritual destinies.
0: And Loran was eager to get there. In 1995, she decided to take things in her clinic further. She started taking courses to get her license in naturopathy to add more variety to the care she could provide.
1: As she and King grew more comfortable with recruiting new members at the chiropractic office, their approach became bolder. King stepped in to give chiropractic adjustments, even though he didn't have a license. This proved very dangerous, as one wrong move could potentially have resulted in a herniated disc or a stroke.
0: In some bizarre instances, he even performed a procedure where he inserted small balloons in a patient's nostrils. He then inflated the balloons in an attempt to change the individual's bone structure.
1: Luckily, King never severely injured any patients that we know of. However, that didn't mean he cared all that much about their well-being. Just as he'd done with his processing, he also used his role at the clinic and position of power to sexually harass women.
0: On at least one occasion, King asked very personal questions about a patient's sexual history. Sometimes his advances on these vulnerable people worked, and he wasn't the only one stepping over the line. On occasion, Loran joined in too.
1: It's clear there was, at a minimum, an abuse of the doctor patient relationship and a breach of ethical guidelines. The pair didn't seem to care about the rules. It's likely that, in their own twisted way, they thought what they were doing was just.
0: After all, the pathway to happiness supposedly went straight through King and his teachings.
1: King also took advantage of his followers financially, and he didn't slow down, even when it ruined the lives of those who trusted him the most.
0: Coming up, King shoves his hands in his members' pockets. This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel. The key
2: to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how
0: weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable
2: forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: During the 1990s, James King drew upwards of 100 people to his new Gnostic church. He held meetings twice a month in Seattle and Spokane, where he urged followers to let go of their past traumas and trust him to guide them to enlightenment.
0: King had grown his congregation in part by targeting patients at a chiropractic clinic run by his closest follower, Barbara Loran.
1: Early on, it seemed his devotees were all searching for comfort and a sign that they were on the right path. They all likely felt a deep investment in the so-called God life. According to King, he could guide them to a state in which they felt in complete control of every waking moment.
0: And he made sure they never forgot his role as shepherd. When he could, King involved himself in every thorny decision his members had to face. Along with his frequent meetings, he encouraged his devotees to reach out to him whenever they needed advice.
1: He didn't limit this offer to only spiritual matters either. He advised followers to seek his counsel about everything in their lives from marriage to jobs to personal finances. And while his open availability was appealing to any followers looking for guidance, as time went on, his insistence on hearing from them may have started to feel like a mandate. He expected his followers to reach out to him at all hours of the day
0: or night. He constantly received calls and even instant messages from his congregation. Sometimes he even held virtual sessions with a group in an internet chat room.
1: But he wasn't just offering his services out of the goodness of his heart. Along with asking new members to participate in the standard initiation procedures, they were also expected to pay an estimated $500 to $2,000.
0: After that, they were told to continue contributing about 10% of their earnings to the church going forward.
1: The money he received from his congregation likely proved enough to support the church's various business dealings, along with King's personal investments while he publicly stated that he sought to make money for the church and its followers. It seemed he was the only one benefiting.
0: It wouldn't be hard to argue that the financial incentives of running the church motivated King to grow his community. This was evidenced by the extreme lengths he went through to get money from his followers in the first place.
1: Because in addition to the initiation fees and ongoing donations members were expected to pay, King started asking to invest their money as well. He assured them he had financial expertise and told his followers to open offshore trusts through a company that gave him a commission for every new client.
0: He also suggested that people invest in gold and shares for specific companies, arguing they were more stable long-term. Because he had established himself as an authority on all matters, several members followed his instructions.
1: Then, when it came time to actually invest their money, King handled all the transactions. People gave him everything. And unfortunately, they often were unaware what King
0: did with their funds. By the late 90s, he upped his game even further, asking yet more members for hefty investments. One congregant, who we'll refer to as Judy, chose to spend her life savings of $78,000 on gold investments at the behest of King. He promised the 72-year-old woman that her money would only increase in value.
1: Yet behind her back, King used Judy's money to buy gold coins, not invest in gold as he told her. When she found out shortly afterward, she asked if he would give her the coins, but he refused. He insisted on holding on to them, allegedly to safeguard them. Despite such bold moves, Judy didn't appear to push back.
0: She wasn't the only one King took advantage of. Even though it was illegal to trade for others without a license, King urged his members to purchase shares in multiple companies. In exchange, he made sure to ask them for an administrative fee.
1: In October 2000, a married couple who we'll refer to as the Smiths, gave King $75,000 to invest in a company called Health Maintenance Centers, Inc. He told the pair that the business was about to go public and their returns would rise exponentially.
0: Once the Smiths gave King the money, he wrote a check to HMC, but put it under his own name. To make matters worse, he never gave the couple physical proof of their investment or any disclosure documentation.
1: He wielded his authority as a smokescreen and used his followers' money without question. For some members, it only seemed natural. They came to him for guidance on everything. King had shown them how to have a happier, more satisfying life. There was no denying him.
0: Some might say that his actions were reminiscent of a con artist. In an article titled Outsmarting Con Artists on the American Psychological Association's website, Anna Miller writes that approximately 30 million Americans are victims of financial fraud every year. Psychologist Maria Konnikova, author of The Confidence Game, goes into more detail about how con artists identify their victims. She explains that people are more likely to be victims of financial fraud when they're in a transitional period of life, whether positive or negative. During these periods, people feel uncomfortable with all the changes they're undergoing. They feel vulnerable. Konikova stated, con artists can spot that, and they can take advantage of it because what they sell is meaning and certainty. King offered that kind of clarity to his followers, prompting them to trust him with their money.
1: As time went on, he continued pushing his followers to invest their cash in various business endeavors. One company that he recommended sold fuel burner enhancer units. These devices were supposed to attach to boilers and reduce the fuel and emissions they produced. He asserted that these FBEs would be the next hot technology.
0: But not everything he delved into was as sophisticated. Another venture he got involved with was a multi-level marketing scheme that peddled vitamins. He tried hard to get his members to buy in. There seemed to be no limit to his financial interests.
1: It's notable that while he promised the ultimate happiness to his followers, King's own need for validation seemed insatiable. He was entirely dependent on his members' money and admiration to serve his ego and self-esteem.
0: And his ego constantly needed more. To further fuel the fire, he and Barbara Loran stayed on the lookout at her chiropractic clinic for new potential followers.
1: In 2002, a woman named Beth Jeffrey met with Loran for chiropractic help after an injury she sustained in a car accident. Beth told reporters for the Seattle Weekly that while her first few appointments were relatively normal, Loran eventually started deviating from their typical routine.
0: She said that Loran suddenly started asking her about her diet and weight. She launched into a speech saying, Your body tells you all sorts of lies. It does nothing but cloud the issues in your life. It's baggage. Wouldn't it be nice to be free of that?
1: She then started preaching about how she used to have the same issues, and that a man named James King helped her work through them. She suggested that Beth meet King and go through a personal week-long treatment with him.
0: The interaction only got weirder when Loran started pushing Beth to talk about her sexual preferences, even asking if she liked to be dominated. Disturbed by the encounter, Beth just wanted to leave the clinic, But that day, Loran kept her at the office for three full hours.
1: She insisted that Beth consider getting help from King, while Beth just wanted to get the chiropractic adjustment she paid for. Finally, after what must have felt like an eternity, Loran relented and gave Beth the care she was trained to provide. Beth left completely unnerved by Loran's persistence.
0: While Beth got away on this particular occasion, many patients weren't so lucky. Losing individual recruits didn't matter in the grand scheme of the church. Loran and King continued pushing social boundaries and amassing wealth to build their congregation into an empire.
1: As the two of them grew more confident in their underhanded methods, their judgment slipped ever deeper.
0: While most of the members they approached were adults, they soon set their sights on a teenage member of the church this decision would herald the end of everything King had built.
1: Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two on James King and the New Gnostic Church. We'll hear about how King and Loran skirted the law and attempted to escape prosecution.
0: For more information on the cult and its members, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Seattle Weekly article titled The God Life, written by Philip Dottie, extremely helpful to our research.
1: You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Cults was written by Lena Olson, with writing assistance by Robert Tyler Walker and Terrell Wells, fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Brian Petrus and Chelsea Wood. Cults stars
2: Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from ParCast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances, and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear— Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.